0: Welcome to the Voyager Podcast, hosted by Chris Fick and Brad Alexander. We're a weekly show about authentic faith in unlikely places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you're encouraged.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Voyager Podcast. My name is Chris Fick and I'm here with Brad Alexander Hello, and uh, we are continuing in a conversation that we started last week with my good friend Tommy Green. Hi, say hi, Tommy.
2: Hi, Tommy. Oh no, it's just
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, I guess. Um, okay,
2: dad joke.
1: I have children. I don't say I have children, yeah, that's what I'm saying, so I can man, handle this. Uh, yes, this is fine. But yeah, so we were talking last week a lot about um, kind of like your background. And it's pretty gritty. I think it's so relatable for people to hear. And that's kind of like our thing, stories of authentic faith and unlikely places. And so we kind of ended off where you are have a, now a relationship with Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. God is starting to work in your life in dynamic ways. You're finding yourself uh, 40, 50 kids showing up in an apartment, and you guys are jumping fences and baptizing kids in jacuzzi and Yeah, uh, getting
2: kicked that's, out. That's, a, sure, true that
1: that's, a, that's yeah. a true story. Wow. Then, that's a that's a true story. That's how it
2: would work. We just jump the fence and do that and then we eventually got kicked out. So that was cool. Yeah.
1: And then we eventually ended up <laughs> you eventually ended up uh, Amethyst let you use their youth building uh yep. where Tithamy became that was like the spot, you know, and then there was a yeah. lot of shows there and there's a lot of all that kind of stuff. So uh that's kind of where we are picking back up from there.
0: Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah, we do gritty yeah. here. So anyone who's listening to this podcast for any length of time, it's like people <laughs> going to church for the donuts because they're high to overdoses <laughs> to anger <laughs> problems. So that's just yeah. you know we're all about being vulnerable, transparent, not trying to save face, but just saying like this is the mess I made in my life, and and God came in and did radical things, and I think that's the theme of this episode too is uh, is. Tommy also had a radical life and God came in and did radical things. So um, yeah, Jesus yeah. is the
1: hero. Yeah. It's not us. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Should we kick off? So death star and sleeping giant, a lot of, the same members? Did Sleeping Giant come out of Death Star, or was it no, two separate things? Yeah,
2: that's a good no, that's a good question. Yeah, well, everyone in the IE was in Death Star, so it's <laughs>
1: cool. Because, like, well, when you have eight people, it gets complicated.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Death Star was doing its thing, and <clears throat> I had gone on our first tour. From we went to play Hellfest in two thousand four in uh, New Jersey, and we toured back. We played a couple dates with. um, suffocate faster and Donnybrook brook on our way back to la and on the way back my ex like flipped out and was so mad at me for being gone for like the week that it took to go do that and so i just was really aware like i don't think that i can do the tour thing <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um I, I i quit because i said i can't do this anymore on the way back home and so i left s-star after being a part, I was really cool, super cool. And I was available. I was a drummer and I could yell. And so if Eric needed me for stuff, I would be on deck if he ever needed anything, but I, I left the band. And so death star was doing its own thing at that point, going out on tours and, um, just, yeah, they were, they were amazing at that point. And, uh, in the background, I was just preaching at Tithamy every week and leading the church I played drums in a in a band called Plague the Red Letters, which was like super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, my old friend Daniel, um, our homie Hardcore Steve, was the vocalist. Was tight. Um, Corey Johnson, who played guitar first, and was the first guitarist in Sleeping Giant, um, and then uh, we had a whole mess of bass players, uh, and it was awesome. It was sounds about cool. right. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, like it was, it was great. So we were, we were booking shows with Tiffany all the time. Um and said, we got invited into that space by a dude in the city. Shout out Shane Cox. Um, Shane, he called me and yes. said, "Dude, he was like, I just want to see if we could ever do a show at the space." And we were doing shows at like this loading dock or in the gazebo at this park, um, anywhere we could book shows. We were trying to put on shows with everybody, and we were getting kicked out of everywhere. And so he called me and was like, I heard that you book shows. I'd love to see if you'd want to use our youth room. So I walked into the youth room in the strip mall in Redlands. And it was where Amethyst had a separate room, just a few doors down. And I walked in and was like, Shane, we would do a show here tonight. And he's like, for real? And I was like, yeah, man, this is perfect. And I said, I need a place to hold our Bible study because we're getting kicked out of our space. Um, Do you think that the church would consider letting us use this for like Sunday nights? And he was like, let me talk to the senior pastor. And so that's how Tiffany ended up leaving the condo. um, And then we got our first building. And so we were there and we were there to do the church on Sunday. And then they were giving us kind of permission to host shows in the city. And so we were playing, I was booking shows, bands were coming through. Our homie Matt was just getting started in kind of the management and booking game. And so he started routing tours through Redlands. And so there was tons and tons and tons of shows Mm -hmm. at the space for a long time. And it was cool because we just got to be part of the scene and stuff like that. So I was playing drums. And uh, then um, our friend Travis and Corey came to me and said, Hey, we want to start a band and we want you to yell. You You haven't yelled in a band for a while. And then that's what I just said I was like, I'm only going to talk about Jesus. That's like all I care about. And they're like, we figured that's awesome. And so Sleeping Giant kind of started as a side project of these dudes. They just want to start a band. And so we did that there. We practiced at the space. Um, and then my for our first show was my bachelor party show the night before I married my mm-hmm. Chrissy Green. And so and that was just at Oasis in the basement. It was tight. It was a Death Star show and. Um, some of the courage dudes were off from Ohio. They started some weird, like stoner rock band. And then we played second and then it was, it was just this great. like that's. Tori's brother's
1: band played too. my wife's that's brother's right, band. That's right. Dude. Yeah. Oh, there was yeah.
2: Like, yeah. There was like four bands. So anyways, I just remember thinking like, this is cool. Like, so I got to yell again in a band. I got to sing about faith stuff. And that was kind of cool. So sleeping giant started separately from death star, but we were all Redlands dudes. And, um, Corey, the guitarist, and Travis, the drummer, at, had done stints in Death Star at different points. Jr., bass player, was one of the singers of Death Star, and then Jeff, our other guitarist, I believe, filled in for some Death Star shows at some point too. So before SG, everyone that had been in Sleeping Giant at some point had done around in Death Star.
0: That makes sense. I think we talked <laughs> yeah, about this does. in in Chris's <laughs> episode, and it's like. Like my best friend Harvey, best friend since like freshman or sophomore year. Amazing yeah. hardcore drummer. And it's like every band that started in South Orange County is like, see if Harve's down to play drums. And Chris was making a joke. It's like your drummer might play three sets in a night. <laughs> it's like, yeah, was, And your bass wild, player is man. probably a, a homie that plays guitar a little bit and you're like, you play bass now. <laughs>
2: yeah. You're not Absolutely. quite
1: good enough at guitar, so you will no, play. No, we bass. had
2: I remember B Town, the drummer from Death Star. We oh, had yeah. him fill in and play on bass on one point. He played bass for Plague. It was great. He used the drum for Impending
1: Doom too.
2: Yeah. yeah, drummer for Impending Doom too. Like he was just that's wild. Redlands. There was like this. There was a really cool like hive of kind of activity around then mm-hmm. back there. There was a bunch of people from all over the place. It was cool. How
0: quickly did you realize that you guys were kind of paving your own way to some degree?
2: You know, I think it happened pretty fast, but I don't. Man, I gotta say this from you know I'm looking back from this moment back towards it and that's always interesting you know trying to yeah here's what i know in salt lake city in the hardcore scene here if you talk too much on stage someone was going to call you out and there's a very good chance that you get knocked out on stage and so i don't come from a culture where it's like cool to talk you it's like it's not a thing and so when they said i could preach i remember thinking i need to i need to be ready as if every show is a Salt Lake show. And I just don't don't know what's going to happen, but if I open my mouth and I'm going to commit to doing this, I'm committing as if I have to be willing to accept whatever is going to come my way. And so I just remember having this resolve of like, I'm already way over the edge on this point because I shouldn't even be talking this much. And the fact that the band was like, we're going to cut our set short to give you time to like do your thing because I was preaching all the time. I was just like the pastor guy. And also I wanna say this, when I got saved, i got saved in the back end of the christian hardcore wave of that era Mm. we're in one right now it's a dead zone there's a bunch of bands that went real white hot for a while they didn't get enough play they weren't popular enough they realized that you actually had to be about your faith when you weren't on stage and that's really hard or it just doesn't work for them anymore and so a bunch of christian bands have now stopped being christian bands or stopped being bands and now it's not cool to be in a christian band anymore Mm -hmm. We're just in this weird lull. It happens every like, let's say 10 to 12 years. It's just the wave. I got saved in one of those waves where because there wasn't broad acceptance, it felt like, and because it's hard, there was a number of people that had resorted to the, we're just Christians in a band. We're tired of getting pigeonholed. We're tired of getting treated like our art doesn't matter. We're tired of whatever... There are reasons for me, the story I made up, this is my story. It doesn't have to be their story in any way. For me, I got like, it's going to mess me up. <clears throat> I got rescued, like for real. Yeah. And I thought, what are you embarrassed about? Like, how dare you be ashamed of him in front of these people that don't know where they're going? Like, it's a lost room. And you're going to bow to them? they're just like me before I knew him. We have no clue. I cannot believe you guys would back down. Are you serious? Someone like me, like needs to know, like, he's real. Don't be quiet. Now you have the stage. Like, are you kidding? I was just like blown away. And I thought these sissies, Mm -hmm. Be about it. Just be about it. Like you guys are chumps. I don't care about your band anymore. Don't tell me you're Christians in a band. Stop that. Talk about him. And if you don't talk about him, I was so militant in my hardcore, you know, like mentality that I'm like, you're not getting with me then. I'm not gang with you either. You're a sellout as far as I'm concerned. You either need to be about it because it all belongs to him or you are a half stepper and you need to leave Mm. because now it's our time. And I remember getting invited by Eric to speak on stage at face down fest. And he's like, I'm going to, we're stopping our set short. I'm calling you on stage and I want you to preach. And I just remember Eric, like believing in me and being like, I know that if you do this, Something is going to happen in that crowd and people are going to, they're going to love Christ or something. He just believed in my ability to like preach or something. he was, he's always been one of my biggest supporters in my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so he was just like, we're stopping our set short and I want you to get on stage and I want you to go. And I jumped on stage at the Death Star set at Face Down Fest, like 2000 and whatever, and just went, I had half the room kneel down and ask for forgiveness for being scared They asked for forgiveness to the non-believers in the room. And and I had them apologize for basically being scared to share their faith. And I was just like, I don't care anymore. And I remember walking off the side stage and there was all these other face down bands. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I remember thinking, I'm going to see you guys later. I'm taking all of your spots if possible. (laughs) I just remember looking. at them going like, oh, you guys are used to being cool now. I'm about to wreck this whole thing because I don't care about cool. Cool was going to get me killed. Your time is over. It's our time now, because what I needed was not what you guys were playing. I needed someone to tell me. I needed a Jason Moody. Yeah. I needed like a, yo, this is real. And when he, when he lost his son and talked about his son, I went, that's real. And when someone like Hunter Dean and Bruce would talk about struggles with dope and hair, I'd like, that's real. When I heard real people talk, I went, no, the scene will make room for real. But if you're not authentic about it, that's why you guys are keeping your mouth shut. I just remember having beef with the whole Christian culture because I felt like they were embarrassed of him. And I felt like, how dare you be embarrassed of him? So that was just my, like, that was my like, thing, right? It's super ego. I was just like, no, like, I'm about it. I told him I would only use my voice for him. And so that's all I'm doing from now on. And so anyone that doesn't want to hear it, you can leave. I'm obviously not talking to you, but I know this room and there's a bunch of people that feel lost and alone and scared and they're hurting and they don't need someone to like yell at them, but they need someone to say, I was messed up too. And I know what it feels like to be healed. And I just was like, trying. it was like, I wasn't trying to point at them. I was trying to point at me, like, look at what happened to me. Look at what happened to me. Like, do you, do you see what he did for me? That was like, it wasn't meant to be like yelling at him, <laughs> it was like, you know, trying to go like, it was just to direct it. So I think having that intensity from the jump, it galvanized the room, but it also did the thing I was hoping it would do, which it gave people that believed pride again. I want them to be like, I want people to be proud of, yeah. <laughs> of loving him. I want them to be like, he is the king. like He's the best. And I don't have to back down. I love him. He did something for me. Like, he's the best friend you could ever have. So I was like, that's my guy. Anyone that's embarrassed of him, you're wasting my time and my energy. And there's people that are legit dying on the inside, and they need you to have faith right now. I just felt like something needed to happen, or someone needed to know that it was okay to be about it. And I just didn't see it anywhere. And so I was just like, well, <laughs> I guess I guess I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> I don't know. Chris Rodney, help me. Help me.
1: Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I am, uh, I like love this, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I guess I'm so messed
2: up. I'm But, like, help.
1: (laughs) No, I, because I, I I saw this for myself. And I, but, uh, but you talk about waves. I really, I got the biggest influence in my life was a wave before that, which was, you mentioned Jason Moody, NIV. Like, those guys were speaking the truth with such clarity and boldness and like, there was just yep. so much love in it and so much like fatherly like yes. advice in it and it just like they had a bigger impact in my life than i i than anybody in a sense at that era and so like i i sleeping giant came after i was a christian Obviously. And so it's a it's a different feel for it. But I I saw the same thing there that i experienced before with NIV. And you and it's like you're not even really a Christian, but you're like learning all the words and you're like, My gosh, this is right. And you still don't really want to give up all your mm-hmm. junk. You still want to like kind of yep. hold on to that. But I, I remember sleeping giant shows, like what you're talking about, like people kneeling down that, that stuff really happened. I think from show one, it was like, there was something going on there and there's certain songs like whoremonger when you play whoremonger and you'd kind of like give a little bit of background of the story we kind of talked about earlier. Um, in the last episode, uh, there was like, um, like where God is like meeting them. It all comes to a head and we'd see this like, freedom and like life coming out of this. And, and it was because of that boldness. Like what, if you believe it, why wouldn't you say it? Why wouldn't you say something about it? If it's important to you, like, because I knew some of those other bands and I hung around some of those bands and you were like an outlier in the sense of you guys were like, we're bringing it hardcore because he saved my life. So I'm going to tell you about this. I I can't not say this. There is no thing I'd rather rep. I don't, not being straight edge or animal rights or any of that. It's like Jesus, dude. It's all Jesus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Chris could see my facial expressions because I got like chills. The hair in my arms stood up because I'm just like, I love the fire. I love that torch. I'm going to hold the torch mentality because if God did not intervene, I know where I'd be. And that makes me like, why are you lukewarm about this? Get
2: fired Mm -hmm. up. I want to talk about Sleeping Giant. And I know that that's like a, that's a big, that's a huge chapter of what it is to be, how the Lord worked through me for a long time. So I want to stay there for sure. But I would just say, like, I'm also, I've also come to understand that there's, there's a nuance and there's times for people where like, what god is doing in them is what he's doing in them not necessarily what he's doing through them Mm. and and i think that our culture if i can make this broad generalization and then dip back into sg talk is that for me after doing a lot of this stuff i'm going to say this as a preface before we get to talk about cool things that happened i've seen a whole lot of stuff go down in ministry and i went through a season a, a couple years ago where I was so confronted by h- horrific circumstances as a believer, as that guy, um, that I realized that I think I did a whole lot of ministry. Um, the verse from the Song of Solomon's is like, I've, you know, my, my brothers made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Mm. I realized that I had done a whole lot of talking, but I didn't necessarily feel like I was very holy at all. In that moment, I was so barren. And I realized I could, I could be very fruitful in ministry and yet be so, feel so barren on the inside. So, so without, and, and, and it's almost like the parable of the 10 virgins from Matthew 25. Like there's five that have a lantern and oil and five that just have a lantern. And so there's five that look like they have light. And then there's five that actually have light. And so I, I just, I know that can happen in our journey is where we, we can be very fruitful in a season and we can do good stuff. And yet, it's, it's uh, when the cry rings out at midnight and you're falling asleep, do you really have it then? And I feel like I, I was really confronted a few years ago and in some very profound ways in my own faith journey. It was like, no, I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm totally tapped. So I would just say I have mad grace now in a way that I didn't before. But, it, but I will say this, I don't regret it for a second because I also think it was what was necessary in our culture. I do feel like I stepped on the shoulders of dudes in our scene, in our culture, the Christian hardcore scene. I stepped on the shoulders of the dudes that were just ahead of us and picked up what they had dropped and said, I'll rep it now. And I just did my very best to do that. And what happened was it brought encouragement and it brought momentum and it brought a sense of faith and it did really cool things for people. So I don't regret it. And I don't regret the confrontation with anyone that had beef because I ultimately wasn't saying believe what I believe or you're going to hell. I was saying to people, believe what I believe because you're living in hell just like me like that. I, I wasn't, I wasn't pointing my finger at people so much as going, it's on, it's, this is my story. And I think the scene, most of the time they relate to that. Like, you don't have to make this my, your story, but like, this is my story. And when people hear that, I think because The hardcore scene is basically the hip-hop scene for punk rock kids. I think they resonate with that. I think because we are storytellers in general. So that's what I'd say. Sleeping Giant is super profound. I think becoming a galvanizer, becoming that person, all I did was what the people ahead of me showed me to do. And there just wasn't – there was no one doing it. The dudes ahead of us that got all of the Redlands kids saved – they were just bowing out and becoming party dudes and like whatever. And we were just standing there like, all your records helped save my life when I was like a Satanist. Where mm-hmm. are you guys? Like, oh, you're gone now. Now you've moved on to something else. Well, I'm here, so I'm going to do what you guys showed me was possible. And then, boom, it were it happened again. Wow. And then, but we also had a theology that I think was a little different. Right. Than where people were coming from and because I was in ministry as a pastor the whole time We were fleshing a lot of this stuff out and we were just doing what we were going to do on a sunday at the show So it didn't feel disconnected from our normal expression either and I think that's what lent itself to the evangelism, but also Praying for people the personal ministry Baptisms all the stuff that we just did was just like this is what we do at home. This is what we do so we're doing it here.
1: I think a lot of my frustration, I guess you could say, was people who were using the name of Christ for almost like monetary gain. Like, it's like I could be on this record label if I kind of look like a Christian band, but I'm not really one. Whereas, like, someone yeah. like where what was going on with you was like, dude, I saw Tommy go from death to life. Like, I watched mm-hmm. him struggle through this whole thing. I watched him kind of like forgive a dude for cheating with his wife Um, you know and I I watched the whole thing. I watched him struggle at Jazz and Java between wanting to beat up the goth kids and talking about scripture (laughs) like I mean that's really literally walking around and it's like these goth kids I feel like I'm gonna smash them you know what I read in Psalms this morning and it's like yeah man (laughs) that was like all of it you know and so yeah there was like an element of like even working through that process, you're, you still care. I think that's the, that's the thing that I, that we lack. And I think that's kind of what Brad's alluding to. If, if there's, you don't care what's going on. It's not like you have to be the loudest person in the room and you have to have a bullhorn outside, but it's like a level of like, does this even mean anything to you? Does this even have any value any worth? Or are you struggling with it at all? Do you have anything to say? Or have you just kind of like, gone the other way because it was easy yeah
0: when you were doing that i know there was a lot of fruit that came out of that and i heard about like just radical stories of kids getting like giving their life to the lord at sleeping giant shows mm-hmm. but did you face yeah. like opposition were there shows where people did not receive it and like it got hostile towards you did that
2: ever happen sure sure yeah Yeah. yeah. I, there's a couple that i was gonna say one of them was in pennsylvania and i remember a dude threatening me and I just remember saying, no. <laughs> and people kind of laughed at him. And then he got mad. And I was like, listen, man, I'm away from my wife and children right now. I know what I'm here for. And I'm not here to listen to you tell me to stop. Mm. I will not stop talking about him. If you've got a problem, I'll come talk to you over there. And I said, at the end of the set, I said, Thank you. We're sleeping giant. I dropped the mic and I walked towards where that dude was, fully expecting to have like a real conversation. I kept thinking, like, he can go ahead and knock me out in front of everybody and we will win the night. Mm. Go ahead. So I just remember walking straight towards where the guy was. I got there and security's like, we got rid of that dude, man. And I was like, really? There's many shows where it was like that. You know, someone's going to take issue with what I'm saying. Sure. You know, whatever. And I just say, no, like, I'm not, I'm not here to listen to that. And I'm here sacrificing my time and my life. And me and Chrissy were like a team. And so where I go, she goes. And I want whatever I did with SG to go on her account as well as like my partner. And so I'm here to share Jesus and to pray with with kids and to tell my story and to be a part of this. And that's what I'm here to do. And so I'm not going to be quiet. That was a commitment I made long before I got to memphis or where you know wherever i was it's like i made this decision back in the land i'm good i know exactly what i'm doing here and uh yes the the funniest one which i will say now because it's been years was i was at a huge christian festival there's like thousands of kids at this festival they're watching um i kneel down to start our set i look and there's this like young like punk like skinhead kid walking up towards me and he's got a water bottle with the cap off And I, and I saw him rear his arm back and I'm like, uh Oh, and he started throwing what I thought was water on me. And then it hit me and it was warm and it smelled like so bad. And I just remember. Mm. And so I just, we kept going with the song. Kids are singing. I'm like crying, but I'm like, I'm going to push through this. And it was like a really powerful set. I was like sitting there like, maybe I deserve that. You know, maybe that was actually a humbling thing like that needed to happen. Hmm. And so I was sitting in the porta potty, because there's like porta potties all over the fest. And sometimes that's the only place you can like sit (laughs) because it's so loud everywhere. So sitting in there just like crying like, okay, Lord, if that was from you, I'll take it. Like if that was you telling me like watch yourself or if if there was anything in there that came from you, like I'm really sorry. You know, if I'm out of order, if if I think I'm doing stuff for you, but I'm really not like whatever that was, like I I really apologize. But I forgive this kid. I don't need an apology. Hmm. I'm really sorry for him, whatever he's going through. I leave. I walk back to our merch table. <laughs> I get there. Eric Eric is sitting at the merch table, and there's this group of people in front of him. And they go, they look at me, and this girl goes, I know who that was that threw that. And I was like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I just like, walked off, you know? I was like, I yeah. want to know. And then I just like walked away. And then I came back like 15, 20 minutes later, they were gone, and Eric was there. And I looked at him after a while and with Eric, if you give him like two and a half to three minutes of steady silence, that's usually when he starts talking. And so I like would hang out for a second. And then I looked at him and I went to say, should I ask who that was? And he stopped me. He's like, nope, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so then that night I'm watching this other really big Christian preachy band play their set. And I'm watching to see if it happens to them too. Because I just felt like, well, if it happens to them too, then I'm not the only one. (laughs) And I was like watching, and it like didn't happen to them. And I was like, oh no, like, oh, I suck. Okay, (laughs) and I'm talking to this dude in a band because he's like tour drama, and there's all these tours that would meet up at these festivals. So I'm seeing a dude, and he had like he wanted me to give him advice or something. So he's talking to me, and I look over his shoulder, and I see a gang of my friends from tour marching towards me with this like little skinhead kid. And I'm like, Oh no. Like they went and grabbed him up and brought him back. And so I'm standing there and I'm like, Oh, you excuse me for just one second. And I walked away from the conversation and stood there for a second. And this poor kid comes up to me. He's this young, like skinhead kid. And he's like, Hey man. And before he even went to like, tell me the story, I was just like, Hey bro, thank you for coming to talk to me, man. I just know, like, I really appreciate you coming up and talking to me. No worries, dude. And he's like, "Dude, don't don't say thank you, man. It's just, you know, we're all good, man. Don't worry about it. Like, I, I literally like, you are released. I forgive you completely. Don't worry about it. All right." And then he was like, really, you know, he was very humbled in that moment. But it was just funny because now remember, he's like, a
1: youth pastor.
2: Yeah, <laughs> now he's like, "Yo, one day I'll throw piss all over Tommy S <laughs> G. Nah." I'm teaching kids about the christ child anyway yeah that sucked and then i think the only other one i would say that i remember which i just don't understand is like i we were on the mount of olives in israel and we played we played a festival there and i remember going to the dome of the rock earlier in the day with chrissy green and eric and we walked around and you know just looked at this beautiful space super contentious space you know just above the wailing wall and like you're looking through the old city and everything and we got invited to go to this like music festival. It was like a total, it was a crappy deal, but we were there. So we're there on the Mount of Olives and it's a pretty strong Muslim neighborhood, um, where that is. And so, um, there was a bunch of flags in the tent. It was very like Christian festival flag with all the flags of the nation, so-called, but you know, not, Palestine. Obviously you're not going to have a Palestinian flag there for whatever reason. And so they were super pissed and they, they threw Molotov cocktails at the tent and like lit the field on fire. And it was like super crazy. And so then there's all these kids running around the the tent ground the next day when we were supposed to play, Uh, there'd been a hole burned in the back of the tent by the Molotov thing. And, you know, it was like a whole deal. So we're there. It's weird. There's these like teenagers and college age kids milling around, um, from the neighborhood. And I just remember I went on stage and I, I, the night that day before we went up, we played that night. I remember praying and asking the Lord right in my own little devotional time, what am I doing here? What should I do? And I just felt this, like you should counter the spirit of deception, right? Like the veil of deception, the way that Paul talked about, like there's a veil of deception. There's a veil that covers the minds of people. And only in Christ is it removed kind of thing. I remember thinking, mm-hmm. whatever that is that would, co- that would dull the eyes, that would dull the mind, that, that people couldn't hear that following Christ is wisdom. Like whatever that is that, that blinds people from seeing how wise it is to follow Jesus. Can we, can we do something about that? You know, it's just like, that's what I want to do. So I'm like on stage and I'm like, <clears throat> and I have a translator then i remember this translator is this like kid from the neighborhood that like was a christian kid but like he was anyways he was sketched out he was sketched out the whole time for me i'm thinking all right well it's like a hostile environment this is like fine and so i just remember looking at all these kids that were lined in the front and i'm like and they came over because we're yelling and screaming and it's totally different from everybody else everyone else is like normal worship bands and then we're just there so weird um like 50 year old people just loving to see Israel and then us. It's like, what are we doing here? So, just play with the audio
1: adrenaline. And no, uh, <laughs> there was, it was
2: not a rock show. It was like, you know, four youth group style bands and a bunch of like, I mean, it was wild. It was it was a weird thing, man. Um, but I'm on stage, I look at, and there's probably like, I don't know, 60, 60 to 100 kids lined up front. And I'm like, do you guys, I feel like we are friends. Do you guys feel like we could be friends? And, they're, and he translates and they're like, yes, yes. And I said, do you want your friends to lie to you or tell you the truth? And then he translates and he's looking at me kind of sketchy. And they're like, truth, truth. And I'm like, okay, here's the truth. There is one God and he has a son and his son's name is Jesus. Everyone in your life that tells you otherwise has been lying to you. <sighs>
1: That's, <laughs> so that's to a palestinian and, and me, crowd to, and
2: they're looking at me like what and the translator won't say anything and i'm like yo are you gonna say anything and he's looking at me like no and i'm like hey translate that and he's like and so he does it and a bunch of kids are looking at me like what and they start getting like kind of wild oh, and i'm man. like i'm telling you there is one god and he has a son and the son's name is jesus and you need to follow him and i said who will pray with me tonight <laughs> And so then I like pray this prayer with some of these kids, you know, I don't care. I don't know if they care whatever, but so we get done. I get done on their set. I walk on the, side of the stage and these people that live there, they're like missionaries they are like, do you know what you just did? And I was like, well, I hope I like countered the spirit of deception. I of of care it. This like thing I thought I heard in prayer. And she goes, do you know what it says around the dome of the rock? And I was like, no but i saw it earlier it looked really cool you <laughs> know and she goes yes it's Allah's god he has no son oh. and i was like oh. oh man oh so that was that was pretty deep yeah that's <laughs> and she's like i'm i'm blown away that you did not just get like pelted with big rocks and i was like yeah i guess that's the lord or something and i just like left but so anyway so i guess that's why i said i did that before i'm in you know allentown pennsylvania and some drunk dude is yelling at me it's like, dude, I stood on the I stood on the Mount of Olives and told told a whole different kind of crowd what I believed and why, and did not back down. You think I'm going to back down from you on a Wednesday night because you've had a couple too many? Like, get out of here, man! Like, yeah. I, I know it's uh, Connor Green, my little brother, um, Connor forever, forever Connor and ever. Forever. He would, you know, what I'm saying he mm-hmm. we one of our favorite stories is a book by Leon Uris. It's about Irish people, and it's called Trinity. And there's a moment in there where one of the the main characters is preparing himself to die. He's held in an unjust court. He's he's held as a a prisoner of war basically, and they won't recognize him. And he basically says like, I'm about to take my stand. And his friends are all telling him, if you do that, you're going to die. And he said, look at me, man, look at me and tell me, I don't know what I'm about. My name is Connor Larkin. I'm an Irishman and I've had enough. And I think on some level for me and Connor, he was like, Connor Larkin was like our hero and there was something about like, look at me and tell me, I don't know what I'm about. <laughs> and I feel like on some level when you've gone through what I've gone through and I literally felt like because of my story, I felt like I was the worst human. I, I don't even get the cred of being like I'm tough and I like killed a guy. Like I'm the skis ball and Jesus loves me. Like I've been rescued from something way worse. I feel worse than anyone so if I'm here to talk about Christ, there's no way I can back down. I'm, I'm here for the low lowlifes that are like, no one would ever look at me. And so all the cool people that have power in a room to tell me to shut up, go tell your story walking, man. I'm not here for you. So I think on some yeah. level in those moments, it's like people are going to say what they want. The reality was, though, I think the grace— that Jesus would just cover me with was most of the time. And if I started talking about him, the brokenness in my own heart, the, it was a love thing. It wasn't, I'm not near cool or tough enough. You know, it's like, I, I would just cry talking about the Lord. Like that's all I could do it was like, I really was rescued. And that, that was helpful. I saw other people just like preach and tell sermons from stage and it didn't go anywhere. And for whatever reason, God was so kind to our really stupid efforts that like it would, people would respond. Mm -hmm. And I I have to believe that's just the grace of his spirit of evangelism or whatever he was doing in that time that then we would minister. And if we had a chance to pray for people, we would pray and give him a chance to do his thing. And so that's when you saw people receive Christ or, or open up their life to him and say like, I will choose him we saw people get baptized we we saw miracles like actual like restorative physical miracles in people's lives too and it was it was bananas because it's like (laughs) satanic you know thrashcore death metal band and then us little goofy choir boys and then the next like satanic band and then like the next hateful band and like whatever and it's just that's a normal tour but in that little window of time where we showed up there was a whole lot that could happen and it was wild to see So Mm -hmm. I think there was enough to fight for that. I didn't really worry too much about that. And I think Jesus protected me for me and from everyone else a whole lot. So
0: I think the reason, um, and I'll, I'll save going on like a big tangent, but the the reason I thought it would be helpful for you to tell some of that is that, um, we believe in spiritual warfare and we believe that things can be territorial. And when you're touring around, going to new areas when you're changing the no. atmosphere of a room no. by preaching, like <laughs> the enemy it's is not going to just deal. let you cruise in. Like you're going to get both. If you see radical highs, you're going to see some lows too. It's not going to be all highs no. and, um, That's it's a good, good to talk about. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, no. And I think too, for anybody that we be listening, it's like, it's not about the ministry of sleeping giant. It's it's about the personal – it's like the ministry, the community ministry, and the personal work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so mm. your life is its own vehicle. Your community is its own vessel. It's, you're, you're in the journey wherever you are. If, you're, if you turn your life over to Christ, for us in Sleeping Giant, we weren't we – were, I wasn't ripped apart by other crowds. I wasn't ripped apart by other bands. I wasn't ripped apart by other cultures. We actually went after each other. The, the enemy really messed us up relationally mm. it happened over and over and over again that's where ah, all the breakdown happened yeah, that's we were so blind.
1: often the case too right Do you know what i'm saying
2: so that's it's like so if you're hearing this and you're turning your life over to christ and like there's a lot that gets easy in some ways but then where you almost get slammed from like these unexpected places that's the work of the accuser or this pressure, there really is a push and a pull in the spirit. And I think we, we're aware of it, but if you don't engage actively, you don't, they don't, it's almost like you don't get bothered. And, and so I would just say to speak to that point is like, forget Sleeping Giant for a second. To any of the listeners that are ever going to hear this, whether you're a believer in Christ or you're even considering it, know that when you say yes to God, There are just windows of beautiful, beautiful things that open up in your life. And sometimes the things that you're the most comfortable in and the people you've been the most comfortable with and the people you expected the most support from, that's the quote unquote spiritual warfare. That's the thing that tests our soul. Can you remain humble? Will Mm -hmm. you be forgiving? Will you be loving to one another? And for SG, I think that's where we struggled the most was in the internal relationships. I think some of the dudes would almost say like being in the band was worse for our friendship. And I would disagree and say, no, I think that's where the door for real warfare happened. I think we got pressed in our love for one another. But we, Mm -hmm. we were fine everywhere else. Like we were kids from the scene. So in a lot of ways, we just conducted ourselves pretty well and could hold our own where we went, we had good relationships with people all over the country. And so that wasn't it. It was the per- interpersonal relationships. And so I don't know who would hear this that just goes, My Christianity has seemed to make everything worse in my life. I would be like, oh, you know what you should consider is that Jesus is is delivering you through some stuff. And and in Matthew four, five and six, like Christianity one oh one, you'll notice that Jesus is like the worst stuff to culture is actually the stuff that makes you the most like Christ. And so endure that, it's gonna be okay. Some of the people that you wish would celebrate you are gonna totally betray or turn their back on you. Mm. And that's actually a sign of christ's favor in your life but it sucks to walk through and know that it happens to your favorite christian bands your favorite christian preachers all of us go through it because this is living life and so just to speak to that it's like i'm glad you brought up the spiritual warfare and even if we took some of the like magic off of it imagine that it's warfare against your own spirit in christ what is it that brings it up it's these emotional things it's these relational things it's financial things it's all this stuff and if people don't know when you sign up to follow jesus that there's war there's there's pressures there's things the apostle paul says that were beyond their ability to endure Mm -hmm. that's what life feels like sometimes as a christian that is normal
1: and we just going through hebrews right now and it talks about that suffering um, how yeah. it's like, oh, here's the Christ. And it's like going back to angels, you know? And it's like, no, yeah. no, it seemed fitting that, that he would come and suff- that he'd be the captain of our salvation through suffering. Suffering. Yeah. Oh. And that's the, the idea is like that the suffering, and you look back on your life and the suffering, are, it's usually really tied with landmark faith situations where God really shows up in your life. And mm. so, um,
2: yeah. That's what we've been talking about, this mm-hmm. whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, we're talking about these horrible events, but out of it, what has come out of it, because you give God time. That's, I think, the biggest thing I want people to understand is like, God will bring stuff full circle like you wouldn't believe if you will give God time. Yeah. Like he is He is a genius. The Holy Spirit is like a genius at bringing things together and seemingly completing broken pictures where you're like, how did that even happen? The word that I have had in my heart for probably 10 years now is like, if you're patient, let patience finish its work. Because if you're patient, you're mature, you're complete and you lack nothing is what it says in the Bible. And it's like, so it's not if I grow old and it's not if I fill in all my own gaps and it's not if I get rich, I'm gonna be mature, complete and lack nothing. It's if I'm patient. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, dude, that's wild that he would prescribe patience to do all of that. So I just, I want to encourage people that are thinking of giving up or quitting because they're facing opposition. it's like, be patient, like endure, endure through this season.
1: That's a good word, man. That's such a good word. And I I know, and I know you've been through quite a season. (laughs) I mean, I just, gosh, (laughs) it's been like. I don't even know if we want to, if we can get into all that, but like through <laughs> we throughout don't, we the don't no throughout the last five years or so, it's been it's been probably the hardest season in a sense, yes. and it's yes. been when you've been drawing the closest to Christ, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, through this all, yeah, you've kind of come on the other side. of the, you're, you're working, you're doing a lot of stuff, right? So Sleeping totally. Giant has been done for a, quite a while. Uh I went yeah, to one years. of the last shows 5 years okay. Mm-hmm. Uh and now right now you're launching Holy Name. Um uh-huh. and the album came out what, like a month and a half ago or something like that.
2: Just in the last month, I
1: think. Oh okay. Okay. I It did
2: real good. We're doing real good. It's, it's good.
1: so good. I remember you showing it to me <laughs> driving around here. Yeah, you were yeah, here yeah. and then in Salt Lake and getting yep. kind of a preview of the songs and trying to explain it to people and it's it's just yeah, it's so good. But uh you've transf so you've transferred from Sleeping Giant to Holy Name and you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned it earlier. Um what is it that you want to see from Holy Name? What is it that the vision you have like for that band? Because it kind of like mm-hmm. just came about. It's you and Joe, yeah. really. It's it ends up being you and one other guy, which is mind boggling to yeah. people who are listening to it. But uh and then you add in a bunch of your friends to come along and, and scream. Uh always.
2: What More would you day. like to say about Holy Name? <laughs> well, just I'm I'm grateful for it. I think in some ways, like um, the sum total of it is like we did the final SG show in 2018, <clears throat> and then May of 2018, like a couple months after that show, my little brother Connor passed away really suddenly, and then within a month of that, Chrissy Green and me went through a series of four miscarriages over the next two years, and within that next year, my wife's mother. Passed away, I say from cancer. She beat cancer, but she had multiple sclerosis since Chrissy was in junior high. And so, really, it was the MS I think that actually did it. I don't, I don't like cancer, and but it was I think I, so. She's passed away after beating cancer, but I think it was the MS is how Chrissy's characterized it. So she lost her mother. I lost my uncle Johnny in St. Louis the same weekend. We had a nephew in the IE that just like passed away really tragically, and um, in the meantime, I was a part of a Bible college and found out that the leader of that Bible college was like a covert narcissist and was grooming women on his female staff. And it was just this, this horrific event. And it, it, and I'm dying on the inside. I'm going through all this pain, but I'm monitoring this every single day. And me and Eric were on staff together and um, I was the mentor for evangelist students. And then Eric was the teaching mentor. And it took us legit like lighting ourselves on fire to get the thing to shut down. And then it was wild watching leaders from the community or the kind of denominational world that we were a part of how hard they were fighting to keep the platform for this dude. And, and it was so heartbreaking and disillusioning for me. And so I, I was losing identity with Christ for the first time in my life. It was like, I was praying to him to, to bring, to heal my babies. Um, to hear my brother, to, uh, you know, I just, I was going to him the way I was instructed to pray. And it was like silent and I was so lost. And then everything that had nourished all these great testimonies and healings and blah, blah, like that whole culture that brought me to that point, Tommy from sleeping giant, it failed. It failed miraculously. It failed on the character stuff. And, when all the chips were like for real down for me, it was like God was silent. And I have never experienced anything like it in my life. And so I say that to say, I couldn't hear him when I would pray. And I couldn't feel like anything but bad when I would get into worship, when I try to go to church, like it was all bad. But I could see him everywhere. I wanted to leave but I had like nowhere to go that I couldn't find him, but he just was not regarding me. We were in him in the suffering, but we had no answers. It was the weirdest bubble of pain I've ever been in in my life. And so out of that, we were, and then COVID's happening in the midst of this, the whole world's locked down. Everything, everyone's in triage. It's like the whole world is like a nightmare, you know? And then in the midst of that, our little faith community, we were going to do a record. And so I just, I, I borrowed some old acoustic songs that I wrote in 2012 and 2014 and just threw them out in front of me to try to grab a hold of them to keep my faith alive. And my friend Joe made them heavy. And we sort of made them as like a gift to our little church crew. And then people started really liking them. And so, in a lot of ways, that's why I would say, you know, to to reference where we started, I don't know how to be like rah-rah about enduring like suffering. It's so profoundly personal to <laughs> me. Like this is not like a rah-rah thing. But it is me. And so what's going to come out is probably a lot of Christian stuff. So I feel more like a Christian in a band (laughs) than I do like the other guy, but like, it's just like a thing. So what I hope people get from Holy name is that death is real and, and that Jesus has a, a unique perspective and way to regard suffering and death. That is, actually beautiful. And it's not the tragedy of life. It's not the poetry of a broken world. There's something really profound about what you learn in death and suffering and grief as a Christian. And it's my journey of trying to grapple with what is this thing that I believe in? How do I remain faithful when I am completely lost? So I hope it's mostly just like people able to like access it and feel something.
1: <laughs> I love it, dude. I, I love I mean, it so much. You know,
2: cause you've been yeah. there. I just, yeah. Just, you know, it's more, more than anything. It's like, I just wanted, to, I've always wanted to sing. I, I like singing some, I'm not good at it really. It takes a lot of studio magic to make me sound that cool, but I do like singing and I love the idea of singing beautiful things over like stupid heavy parts. I think that's so much fun and trying to find melody over stuff like that. So I think that's where I've had a lot of fun, Chris, the way that you said, it, it's like, it just sounds a lot like, it's just Tommy. It's like, yeah, dude, this is just something I've wanted to do forever. And so there's little bits of it through SG for sure. But this just feels like I'm, I'm in a different point in my life. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do what I want. And so yeah, it <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't,
1: but this genre doesn't exist. Like it's it, kind of it's, it's right? <laughs> become its own thing. And, jo- and Joe like made it, I mean, he just made it, Oh, he made it so over the top heavy.
2: Like he Dude, he's, just... he's amazing. Once he said, he's like, I know you're going to like do your singing thing. I just want people to like kick walls when it's time to like kick walls. That's all. So I just feel like I just get to sing and then he gets to kick walls and that's just how it works. So oh, gosh, super yeah.
1: it's so good, so man. I, I, I love the honesty in it. I love the, like the transparency and then like Creed that, you know, <laughs> that's so cool. Like yeah. going through that and, and. Of course, Eric's on it, so I'm I'm extra biased towards that one. But yeah, I love that. I love that song. Love that album. Uh, yep. You're in a movie. We can yes. maybe touch on that really quick. Which is um, our friend Eric. I've mentioned yes. Eric in my in mine too, because me being part of the Redlands yeah, scene, please, that was a big part. Please talk of- to
2: him, dude. That'd be so tight. That'd be such a fun episode to hear his journey too, from quitting high school to roadie for NIV to like where he is now. Yeah. So
1: crazy. <laughs> oh, I love Eric dude. He's, he's near, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Come on. But you, so he, he is producing a movie. Uh, he Dark might be Eris. directing or he's directing it. I think he's directing,
2: wrote it. He wrote it and directed it. And oh, Chris
1: is, is Chris producing it?
2: Yeah. North is our producer, uh, but it's really it's, okay. it's North and Eric. I mean, they just done everything. Eric basically created the whole world. And so he wrote a feature film called Dark Arrows, and um, it's like a pre-western. It's crazy, and I got to be a part of it. Um, So I'm hoping are right? aren't you? Yeah, yeah the... I got. To, I asked. I asked to get shot with an arrow. That was. I told him I knew he was doing it, and I was like, "Let me get shot with an arrow," because my aspirations in movies was I just wanted to be the dude that like says like, "This is for the kids," and then just gets like blown up or something like, shot <laughs> like, go down in a noble a noble death, dude, you know. <laughs> you look at the aliens and you're like, not welcome. Like that was, I just wanted, yeah. I wanted one line. And then to die. That was like what I thought would be the coolest thing here. So when he said he was doing this, I knew the backstory a little bit. He, he bounced some stuff off of me just in, in passing, you know, just in friendship. And so he told me, he's like, I want you to read for a part. I was like, Cool. Can I get shot with an arrow? <laughs> and so he sent me the sent me the script to read. I read the part on my camera, you know, on my phone. My my daughter, like, interrupted in the middle of it. I didn't even care. I was like, it's from Eric. It doesn't even matter. I sent it to him, and then he's like, that was a good read, man. We want you to be in the movie. And I was like, oh, cool. And he's like, we want you to be the lead in the movie. And I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, not even for a second. And he was like, uh, no, man, we think you can do it. And I was like, no, you need to hire an actor like <laughs> actor to do this. Like, come on, man. Cause he had like he put his whole life on the line for this. And so I was like, please don't do this. Um, took a little bit back and forth and stuff. But he was like, I, I think that you can do this. I want you to do this. And I was like, all right. So I think honestly to be really upfront, like I don't think I think if my little brother was still alive, I don't think I would have done it. I think I probably would have pressed back and been like, just give me a different role. Um but I felt like in the wake of losing my brother, I felt like he was like rooting for me. And I think it just gave me permission to try some new things. And I, I just felt like it's the type of thing he would have wanted me to do. Mm. And so I was like, it, it felt like I got healed a little bit from losing my brother, like in that. It, it, and that was part of the thing I was going to say is like during that season of time, I remember the Lord brought up a, when I first got saved, when I was back in Georgia with my daughter, in that, that quiet time. You know, it was like I'd kind of given my life to Christ in Redlands and I take her, I go to Georgia, and I'm just alone with the Lord. During that time I remember reading a lot and uh and I remember feeling like the 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 purpose of scripture for, for me, whatever that means, you know, at that point in my life, was that I would be mentored by Christ's story. And, and what's beautiful in being a nerd bookworm, like I was, is that I would already put myself into any story that I read. I would try to like envision it and see it. I would just read all the time. Cause I loved books. And I felt like when I discovered the Bible, it was like, I finally found the one book that would talk back, mm. you know? And so <clears throat> I remember, uh, reading a poem about scripture and, and what she said was like, you know, we find in scripture, we find our mentors, we, we see, other people's stories, right? We gain the wisdom of experience that we don't have to go through. You know, you watch other people grapple with with what life is and who God is and how it works. And, and so I just remember all that. And so I, anyways, I remember him saying to me, do you remember that I told you you would be mentored through scripture? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you, and it was, this is all happening like an instant, you know, millisecond brain burst, you know, remember mentored in scripture. Yeah. What does that mean to you, Tommy? It's like, well, I can be more than one character at the same time. And he's like, yeah. And so he said, think of the little boy that brings his lunch. And I said, okay. And he's like, remember, sometimes you're going to get to be like Jesus to people and you'll get to perform a miracle. And I'm like, wow. And he's like, and other times you get to be like the disciples. Jesus gives you something to do and you distribute it. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And he said, other times, you know, you're like the crowd and you're tired and you're pissed off and you don't know where to go next and you just need to sit down. And I'm like, okay. And then he said, sometimes you're a little boy and you bring the lunch and then you watch me do something with it. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, and then Tommy sometimes um, said, sometimes you're the lunch, you know, and you get shattered mm-hmm. to pieces. Uh, he said, but but I always gather them all up at the end. You know, there's nothing missing. And so 2018 was like, a lot of shattered Mm. there's just a lot shattered but i'm saying this from 2023 now you know it's like i've watched him complete i've watched him pick up broken pieces and when i got offered to be in the movie i just saw this i had this vision of me in the wake of my parents divorce i'm sitting on the floor in stockton california watching the muppet movie and i'm watching kermit the frog and he's, he's getting invited to go to hollywood to make millions of people happy And I remember the Lord going, do you remember when you asked me if you could do that? Hmm. And I was like, whoa, because I just have made such a mess of my life, right? And he's like, remember that little prayer? Like I saw that little broken piece. I'll give that back to you too. And I just remember feeling like he's so good at picking up all the pieces. And like, he's, man, I'm, I'm sorry. He's been so cool to me. So I got to be in a movie. And a big part of that is I got shattered. And then in that shattering, I felt like he was like, Look what your friend did for you. Like my friend wrote this movie, which is his dream and his work, but somehow he thought to include me. And then, you know, it's like God goes, and that's going to, that's going to complete a dream that you've had that you would never want to give yourself permission to have. Wow. Like ever, you know what I'm saying? Like he's a genius at putting life back together again. Like He's so awesome. So yeah, I get to be in a movie and it's totally because my friends love me and because God loves me and I don't deserve it. And it's super cool. So please talk to Eric about dark arrows because it's going to be awesome.
1: (laughs) No, I think that actually would be a really fun conversation for sure. I I love that, Tommy. I love your heart and that too. It's like beauty from ashes, right? Beauty from ashes. right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Some Isaiah 61 stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's like that's all it is. So everything I get to do now, I would say to anyone that's going to hear it, even just in closing, because I mean we talked for a long time, but I, I would just say to people, it's like, I'm a fully a second chance kid. That's Jesus's business. Like if you are thinking about, you know, considering looking Jesus's direction, please, please say yes to him, and and allow allow God to become the the true king of your world and and understand that dreams that have died things that have ended relationships that have failed your own soul which is so fractured Jesus can put it all together again and like legit make a beautiful and profound story out of like wreckage and so i would say i should have died 1999 here I am, you know, 24 years later, and like you said, like my wife and I, we we run a nonprofit. We fight, we do counter trafficking and aftercare for human trafficking survivors. I have a family, and beautiful children. Me and Chrissy Green are really hot for each other. We really like each other, and we will, we <laughs> we, like we you guys. are down. Like we love you. you know guys. What I'm saying, like <laughs> it's like it's a thing. Like I have a beautiful, beautiful life. And if and if you'd have asked me how I would have put my life together it would look nothing like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God knows me so much more than I knew myself. Amen. And I, I don't want to get in his way. So for anybody that hears this, it's like, dude, just let go and just surrender to Jesus because I swear to you, he will, like you said, Christian, you know, he'll make beauty out of the ashes of your life. And that's what he did for me.
0: I know I've been like kind of quiet for like <laughs> 10 <laughs> minutes now. I'm just
1: gathering my thoughts, man. So much of this is very deep and um and even to see you on the other side, Tommy, cuz I mean, I was I was at your brother's funeral and oh. was around for some of that stuff, you know, and it's like just to know all the stuff you guys have gone through and and to yeah. see the other side where like God is picking up the pieces again. So many oh. people deconstruct and like leave mm. the first moment there's anything that's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm out altogether. Like, what would you have to say to those people?
2: I I think in general, I would say, I'm so sorry for whatever it was that happened for people, like whatever it was uh, in the Song of Solomon. It says that, you know, she's making, she's on her journey. She's pursuing her beloved. She's looking for the king and she's walking through the city and she's on the search. You know, he beckons for her to come. And so she begins to follow after him. And as she's walking through the city, the watchman says, they found me, and they beat me, and they bruised me, and they took away my covering. And I think all of us on some level in our faith journey, when it's authentic, we will go through being exposed and being wounded seemingly by those in the community of faith some of us wounded profoundly by people that should have been watching over us and taking care of us. Um, And I think it's real. And so I don't, I don't, I don't want to minimize any, anybody's pain, um, any of the wounds that have happened. It's like, I'm just so sorry for the places where you feel like you have been left alone. And so it's like, I I get it. And I just want to tell you that like Jesus knows like in a real way, The next thing that you need to grab a hold of to keep yourself alive, it may not be the forever thing, but Jesus is a forever thing. And I think if you will give, I'll say it again, if you will give God time, give God time, he will bring so much full circle. And so it's just like with Peter, right? Like, it's okay with me if you deny him a couple of times. The reality is that Jesus is going to show up where you least expect it. and He's going to tell you, I love you. Feed my sheep. Take care come on. Like he's going to show back up. You could go to the depths of hell and he will be there. Like there's nowhere you can go to get away from him. There's nothing, (laughs) mess me up, nothing you could do to separate how much he loves you. And so a lot of people that are bouncing from expressions that they've known or from levels of security in their Christianity that have, have always been there for them or versions of community that have always been faithful and now they're not anymore. like, I just know that God is gonna outlast all of our hustle when all the chips are down and you're truly alone and you're standing before him, you will you will see and you will know. And so I just I don't I just don't think we can run that fast ultimately. And for me, it's like he outlasted so many things to to truly get my heart. Again, he's the best friend I've ever had. And so I don't think I can get away from him. I said the similar thing, Chris, when we lost to Riggins. Our son, um, I remember looking at Chrissy and saying, I made a covenant with him before I ever made one with you. And you made a covenant with him before you ever made one with me. We have nowhere to go. And so we just we just grieved and we just wept. And for many people I wasn't around church. I looked like I bailed, quote unquote, too but I was literally like falling apart and needing to like begin again. And so don't let anyone necessarily judge you for your process. If it's kind of messy, your pain is real. And I would just reference that story on the road to Emmaus. They were leaving Jerusalem because they thought that he was the savior and he died. And they're like, I guess he's not who I thought he was. And he's right there with them. And so I just know that Jesus is going to find us
1: Thank you, Tommy. Thank you so much. Yo,
2: love you guys. Thank Appreciate you much this for so me much, so much man. time.
0: Hey, um, it's awesome. if anyone wants more info on Sleeping Giant on YouTube, oh, sure. there's a really great yeah. documentary if you want to watch kind of history of the band, some mm. footage from shows. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. Holy name. That's awesome. Album yeah. just came out, and then if someone wants more info on the nonprofit and the trafficking, like where yes, do you guys have a website? Yes. Um, yeah,
2: absolutely. If if people are interested in the work that we're doing, we we just say our primary goal at um, Run Against Traffic with our foundation is we want to uh, engage in counter trafficking, but our primary our primary goal is raising funds for the long term aftercare of the survivors in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's our goal. If, you, if you're interested in um, being a part of the community, doing your first run with us, hosting a benefit or being a part of some of our community stuff, just go to irunagainsttraffic.com.
1: And Tommy ran across the whole state of Utah. For, <laughs> I he did, really I did. did. That. That's the that's the thing to raise money for, <laughs> Run Against Traffic. So it's really near and dear to you guys' heart. And yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Yep, That's a big deal. I did that. I did that thing. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that was awesome.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Voyager podcast. If you'd like to reach out, you can reach us through Instagram at the Voyager podcast or through contact at calvarycarlsbad.com. We hope this has been encouraging for you. Until next time.